What's going on, folks? This week we're joined by a former Elite Series pro, currently fishing the Elite Qualifiers. Join us so we have a conversation about the dirty of fishing. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, oh God, it's a toad, son. That. Huh? It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the One Cast. I'm not going to give you an episode number because I just forgot which one this is. But, uh, we're around seven, somewhere in there. Uh, as always, I'm Pete. I'm joined by Trey and Ben uh, to my right here. This week, we're excited to be joined by a former Elite Series pro, guy that's fished 71 events across bass, opens, and elites. Uh, been in the money 35 times, has six top tens, two of those on the Elite Series. Uh, one on Lake Champlain and one on Santee Cooper. 12 top 20s, 21 top 30s. He's weighed over 1,400 pounds of bass in those events and over 100K in career earnings. Uh, and somebody I'm glad to call a friend, uh, Destin Demarion. Destin, how we doing? Hey, great, Pete. Thanks for that intro. Yeah, that man. made me sound a lot cooler than I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You're you're as cool as you sound. And, uh, and I think you can catch <laughs> well, back. I appreciate that. I think you can catch bass better than all three of us combined, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I don't know about all that. At least you guys get to fish uh, all year round. <laughs> I'm probably true. a little rusty right now. This is true. <laughs> so for folks that don't know, Destin, you want to give a, a little quick bio on yourself, kind of introduce yourself to maybe some new fans and listeners? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Destin DeBerry, as Pete said. I'm uh, in my early 30s. I'm 33. Had to think about it for a second. <laughs> I've got a wife, uh, Megan, little daughter, Eva, who's about to turn three. Um, it's really been my life for the last few years. Uh, my daughter came my first year on the Elite Series, so that was pretty sweet. Um, but obviously that creates a lot more uh, more things to, to think about when you're in the fishing world, too. But uh, I started out as a co-angler. That's, that's how I kind of blazed the trail and figured out how to map out doing this and learned a lot from a lot of really good fishermen. Um, you know, I practiced with Stephen Browning for a season uh, on the Central Opens when I did that once. I, I got to fish with Kurt Dove a lot. Um, you know, Joey Nanillo was a guy I fished with. Like, I got to fish with a lot of cool guys in practice. And not that's not even saying who, who all I fished with in the tournaments to learn a lot from. So, that's kind of what I did. I went to college, um, did college fishing my last year. I played football uh, up until, you know, that was my senior year. I was able to do spring tournament and uh, blew out my knee and fishing kind of was, it was time to go fishing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the, for the listeners out there, um, you, you're from PA originally, correct? Yes. Um, and, and being from the North myself, and, and I know Pete's from PA, what was the like what triggered you into bass fishing because i know a lot of times in the north like you know historically speaking it hasn't been like the primary means of fishing we've been multi-species and stuff but what was it right. about bass i think part of it with bass is just like it was so readily available to watch you know on tv i think they they do a good job marketing it to people as far as you know that being the the show and uh, that was part of it, but a lot of it just from going out and like you're saying, just being a multi-species angler. Uh, my grandfather used to take me. We didn't have a boat. Uh, we, would, we would just go sit on the bank and I'd walk because he was older. So he'd just sit in his chair and I'd go walk the banks. But, um, you know, I just really fell in love with bass fishing just because there's so many ways to target them. They're aggressive. They're all over the country. Just the, you know, the ability to catch them almost anywhere in our country, I think, helps too you know, just with the marketability and just the enjoyment. Anywhere you go, you can go catch a bass. It doesn't have to be on a bass boat. It can be in some farm pond or a little canal in Florida. You know, just anywhere you can catch bass pretty much in this whole country, which is sweet. Yeah. Did you ever ever fish any walleye tournaments or anything? I know that, that gets pretty big uh, up in our area. So. Oh, geez. It I didn't is. know if you ever dabbled deal. into it or not. <laughs> no, it's a huge deal. Believe it or not, Pete, you probably have. I don't know if, I, I don't know if you have or not, but I would assume you have. I've never even trolled. You know, for walleye, never yeah. once in my life. No, I so have. Like, it's that's, terrible. Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> so I've, I get a lot of guide clients for bass that did the walleye thing up here, and they're like, "Wow, this is so much different. I want to do this." <laughs> like, because it's you're fishing, you're actually like you're hunting them, and you're like doing it instead of just you know sitting there. Which 
I like catching walleye and I catch them. I would just ate some walleye for lunch actually that I caught this summer. Yeah. But um no, I, I never really did get into it. I I did some uh like just little kids youth derby stuff yeah. for everything, yeah. but that's that's it. No, I've never really got on the walleye thing. I mean that's all right. I, I've never caught a walleye. I've gone twice, so all my family's from Southwest Missouri, Bull Shoals, so they've got they got walleye. Oh yeah, you got walleye. They they've got a and at one time I was probably in college and I was trying to use my old uncle's pontoon boat and I was trying to figure out how to bottom bounce in the summertime. And <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. It, 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 and no one uh, I know there, because uh, we mostly lived away, uh, actually walleye fishes. And then the second time I was there in the sprig and they were all up on the banks, I guess, spawning and, you know, just like bass. They didn't want to touch anything I had. So I was like, oh, I don't really? know what to do. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not fun trolling for it's It's really. It's it's meat. It's like just meat fishing oh, at yeah. that point when you're trolling. Yeah, it's not really doing it for the fun. It's like I'm gonna go out there and limit out by nine o'clock and come home with like thirty pounds of walleye in the freezer, you know, to put yep. it in the freezer. And I'll make like, some walleye guys mad, but even yeah. when you hook them when you're bass fishing, they don't fight. Right. You get like one head shake and you're like, Yep, that's a walleye, and then you're dragging in a big old log. <laughs> that's they say they say they fight like a wet sock yeah yeah i would, yeah. I would oh. agree to some extent however one time i was drop shotting out by the w's i'm sure you've heard oh, you yeah, know, about that area well. yep. and your dad um i caught a day i caught a 15 pound walleye oh, on a drop shot with six pound test on <laughs> that night. that far i yeah. bet yeah is that a non-keeper up there no we don't have any no slots. it's not slots no oh, it's okay. over it's just yeah, there's just like a, it has to be a certain length. 15, I believe. Yeah, I think it's 15. Mm-hmm. Anything over 15 is food. There, there's <laughs> so many. Oh, you could yeah. never even put a herding in that. I don't care if they're commercial fish. I don't even think they did put a herding on them, like, at them, on them at all. No, I mean, when you're on walleye on Erie, it's, I mean, you can get, you can take a six guys out in a boat and limit in the first 35 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. It, it's nothing, but, um, Ben, you have a, I know you had a question. Yeah. So when Pete said you were coming on, I, this, this was one of the first things that uh, crossed my mind. So mm-hmm. I'll ask you the question, but then I'll preface it uh, and I'll talk a little bit. But so what sure. draws you to the Bassmaster Elites? And I ask that because, you know, we've spent a few episodes, you know, talking about the Elites, the uh, MOFBPT, the MPFL, and we're fans of fishing. We're obviously not fishing that level. So we watch all of it, we're addicted to it. Uh, we love seeing guys, but but me personally, as a fan, if all three uh, tournaments had an event on the same weekend, assuming it's all equal, as in like one doesn't have terrible weather and they're not catching anything type of deal that happens sometimes, I'm choosing to watch bass, and I've got my personal reasons for that. Um, but with other major organizations out there that you know have very similar structures and, and payouts and all, what what drives you to? Two bass, knowing you fished on the elites, and, and what's driving you to go back to requalify for uh, for that organization? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you said a lot of it in and of your, yourself, just the fact that you like it more. I, I think a lot of people just, it's been around for all of our lives. So it's it's been the most consistent, good show in town. You know, they do great production quality i mean the whole thing is just very well run as far as like the shows are excellent they were the first ones to do you know the live coverage which was pretty sweet as far as like the full event live coverage stuff um you know it they've just done a great job creating a great show um a great system to become you know that good of a fisherman i mean you really have to go through the gauntlet to get there. And I think that's what a lot of the other organizations and that's no knock on anyone else. Haven't had that. You know what I mean? There's, there's something, you know, with the BPT now it's new and no one really knew how you qualified for it, but now it's kind of like, it's kind of taking shape of like how, how that comes about. But the elites, that's just like every grassroots anglers goal to do, mm-hmm. because it's like, it's like that, you know, that, carrot on the string that's like dangled in front of you you know just when you're growing up that's that's kind of what uh what they've done a good job in in promoting and they put on a great show i mean my first year with covid i mean it's it was tough but like we got all this espn coverage you know the stuff you know 
this is kind of like really valuable, um, really valuable slots that for sponsors too. I mean, what kind of sponsor doesn't want seven hours a day on ESPN? Like no sport can give you that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> everything you said right there, Destin, is probably is the reason why I prefer bass. And it goes, I, I, I mean, figured. It, it go, it, and it's also the classic because every every kid's dream. Right. I mean, it's Good even our, yep. still our dream is to go fish a Bassmaster Classic. How you know? Because there's multiple ways to get there. Like everyone wants to go fish a Classic because that's just an, a phenomenal event and go across that stage and have a you know a stadium full of people. That I mean, there's nothing else like out you know out there competing. So yeah, that's a great point, Ben. I mean, that's that's another thing I I, I didn't touch upon that either. I was 15, I think. I don't know. Pete, you probably went to the Classic when it was in Pittsburgh oh, too. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. So I couldn't even drive. My mom had to drive me down there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is such a big deal. Like, I already wanted to do it, but I'm like, this just feels more real. Like, it's coming to Pittsburgh. Like, who would have ever thought they could come to Pittsburgh? Like, I wanted to come back to Pittsburgh. Like, I want to finish the Classic in Pittsburgh. Like, that kind of thing, even though it stinks, everybody says, but it's not that. <laughs> it wasn't near – it's not nearly as bad as they made it out to seem. I mean, but, like, that just made it feel more real. Like, that's the big show. They packed Mellon Arena. Like, yep completely full and then i went to an flw cup there a few years later when i was in college maybe an eighth of it was full you know it, there was it was a good show but it just doesn't have the draw it never had the draw that bassmaster does they put on an excellent production you know they have the background in the in the tv side a lot of the people that work for jm productions which is jerry mckinnis that put on bassmaster they've worked in all types of tv like mm -hmm. that's they're so experienced with putting on good shows. It's just the production value. And not only that, just the, the level of competition is, is insane. Like yeah. that is also the, one of the biggest draws. Like, yeah, like you, the NPFL is great. You know, it's, it's a great way now that you can go do it, you know, even and keep a job and like go fish a tour. But like, it just doesn't have the same pool as a Bassmaster Elite Series does with all the TV deals, with the prestige, with the classic, as you said, Ben. And and to be honest, my main sponsor, Duredge, that's really the only reason I've been able to pursue this as far as I have, is that's the only show they were interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's all they wanted. They weren't interested. I I was offered to fish FLW Tour multiple times before I even made the Elite Series. They said, nah, we want the Elite Series. We don't care about that. Yeah. yeah. That's just truth. And that and that's the business mindset behind, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, chasing a title or, you know, chasing a, a trophy or whatever the case may be. But sponsors dictate a lot of times mm -hmm. what your career path could be, depending on the relationship that you have with them. Uh, you, you, you talked about going on to, uh, you said you fished collegiately. I, uh, last year, so I started a club and, um, I, Buddy of mine and I fished one one tournament in the spring after the football season and everything. Yeah. Okay. So, had you not gotten injured, uh, in football, do you think do you think things would have been different? It could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was like honestly like the wake up moment. Like, I'm not going to play in the NFL. There's no way. And I I want to fish. Like I knew I was going to do that, but I was waiting till after college. It was like, well, college fishing just came out basically. Yeah. Let's try this. I mean, I don't have a boat. I I had never even driven a bass boat at that point. And I was like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that and that brings up a good point too. Like, you know, and, and I wouldn't say that you never could play in the NFL. Like, let's be honest. There's, no. plenty, there's plenty of no. miracles. Uh, well, that yes, it would have oh, been. Oh, now a he's a miracle? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah that would have been a miracle. <laughs> there's, plenty of, there's plenty of movies out there, you know, <laughs> to, to see people that walk onto the field or they're in their mid 30s and they go to the NFL. But it brings up a good topic, and, and we're going to get into this later in later episodes with some high school BASS kids and stuff. But there's so yep. many more stepping stones in the industry now than there ever has been to pave Absolutely. a path into professional fishing, whether, whether you find yourself on the biggest stage of the world or you just do it consistently and you make your living that way. Um, but it's really interesting how we've grown this sport and, uh, and, you know, and you're part of that. And I think that's really something to be, 
definitely proud of. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. asking the question, would it have been different? I mean, you never would know, but hindsight's always 2020. Like things typically work out for a reason. So yeah, it's all part oh, yeah. of God's plan, right? Yep. It is, At man. The the day. God always, I mean, this is what I think people don't always realize is like, oh man, things are so tough in my life. Why'd this happen? Like a lot of times it's to lead you in the in a better path. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And unless it's, there's a, there's an occasion where it's like, okay, this is happening because you're being stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? That's right. Uh, you know what I mean? But, um, a lot of times it's okay. You need to change course. You yeah. know, that, that's what you need to do. Yeah. And just back to Pittsburgh because everybody talks about how terrible it was and I have to defend it a little bit. Yeah. That was on. the, uh, <laughs> that was the year we had that storm. If you remember, and that river changed so much because uh, I well, fished a lot of local yeah. derbies like in that area with my dad. I was 17. Did, I think, did you that year? No, not that year because all spring oh, okay. that was like blown out. Gotcha. Uh, because, of, because of that that fall before we had all that rain, it was like the 100,000-year flood or whatever they called it. And yeah, wasn't that from a hurricane? Um, was, it, uh, <clears throat> was it Ivan or something like that? Ivan, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. What year Irma? Was, it again? was it Irma? Irma, maybe Irma. that was it. Was it Irma? It, no. was, it would have been... Oh, it would have been ten or like eleven. Two thousand. No, it was two thousand five. Five, five. Yep, because it I was think. it was the year. Was it KVD second? That was his second. Okay. Yeah. But like, so it was normally fifteen pounds to win on the river there, or better. Oh like yeah. Before that, twelve and, to fifteen and every then, tournament, pretty much. You know, they came in and it was bad, and and the weights <laughs> were low, <laughs> right. but it wasn't because of the fishery. But yeah, I mean, no. that really sparked my passion more seeing KVD live hoist that trophy and my dad had had surgery like a couple weeks before that so we had to push him around in a wheelchair and i'll never forget they gave us like special seating because he was in a wheelchair and we were like there's god's plan right there man the timing of getting the surgery right there. so like we're right there and i remember kvd winning and they blow the the air cannons and the, the you know the confetti's coming down on us and he's holding that trophy up and it's like man that is the top of the top right there like you do not get any better than that and it kind of stoked the passion so folks if you haven't had the chance to attend a classic if you whether you're into tournament fishing or not if there's one close take your family take your kids because it can set them on a course that that they may not have previously thought possible and it really anybody can walk across that stage Mm. i mean we talked about uh brian kirkle who Mm -hmm. won it through the nation qualified two years in a row and then ended up winning it uh the only one to ever do the only one Yeah. yeah So it, it's something that is uh, is possible for everybody. So uh, any other questions or we want to get into the, the meat and the dirty behind? Well, you're, talk, you're talking about how the sausage is made? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's get into <laughs> yeah. so the behind the scenes of what we'll it's. Put it in the grinder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. In the grinder. So cool. Yeah. All right. So Destin, we, we had talked to you. You know, I know you get invited to a lot of these. You've done a lot of interviews and different things. So when, when I talked to you about coming on, I asked you kind of, what did you want to talk about? And, and we threw some stuff around and you kind of wanted to talk about the things people don't think about the, the nitty gritty or the dirty behind professional fishing, uh, the travel balancing home life, all of that. So you want to kind of go into that and then, uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of questions for you. So. Yeah, I think that isn't like really talked about enough. I think, we do a good job of building up like the bass fishing, like this is what you want to do. And you have to have an understanding going into that, what you're getting into, because, you know, a lot of people go, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to make all this money. That, that's not really how it goes. It, it's not like even the NFL will tell you that it's pretty much the same. Like if you're not a lot of these rookies and stuff, if they're not in the league a certain amount of time, you know, they're not going to get any kind of benefits after the league. They were talking about that with DeMar Hamlin. You know, he was if he would never play another snap, he would never get any money from the NFL mm-hmm. because he's got you got to be vested. You know, he's got to be there, I think, at least three years or something. And he, this is only his second year. So it's similar in that sense where, OK, I made the Elite Series. Everything is just going to fall in line. And I think that's not true, <laughs> I'd say. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have went broke. A lot of people have, you know, ruined their family life in in pursuing something like that. And I think that's something that, like, I, we, we need to really 
touch upon just so everybody knows what they're getting into. Cause I think prop part of it before was people just didn't know all that stuff or they were just oblivious cause they didn't want to see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. So did you feel as you fished through the opens, you know, you had, you had a fair amount of experience prior to qualifying as a mm-hmm. co-angler, then as a, you know, a boater, did you feel when you made it that those sponsors were just going to come running because you were now no. a pro or you had been around no. long enough to know better? Yes. So the climate too, I've talked about this in other podcasts. A lot of the guys that are 50, 60 years old that have been doing this for a long time, the era that they came in is when you're getting three free boats a year, three free motors, you know, you're getting $150,000 salary and your, all your entry fees paid, you know, from Sitgo. I know that was the Sitgo deal mm-hmm. when Sitgo was involved. And they had a whole team and stuff. So a lot of the guys were able to build a lot of wealth to carry. You know what I mean? So now that that's, that has shifted with the economy, which in 2008, when the economy mm-hmm. crashed, a lot of guys were done. You know, it, yeah. it completely just threw it for a loop. If you weren't completely, like, way ahead of the game and had all the top money, you you couldn't do it anymore because the economy just didn't support it. So like now it's tough. It's very saturated in the fishing world as far as getting sponsors and stuff, because there's only so much money to go around and most of the bigger money is going to a few guys. So not all that different than the NFL, not that all that different than professional sports in general. However, NFL base salary, I think is $250,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is it, a little bit different. When you um, when you started fishing the opens first um, as a boater, and then as you made the elites, because you knew the sponsors weren't coming, how did you go about getting those type of deals to allow you to fish and compete? And then, if you think you should have done something different, uh, let, let the let the audience know so that you know the guys who want you know are hungry for this and who are grinding. Maybe Absolutely. they can, then maybe they can have a, an approach to. Make it a little bit easier on them. Oh, for sure. So I'd say right now the best model, especially with the young guys that have been successful uh, right now, is to have the money to go in with. You know, you have to have that backing, whether it's your family, whether it's a sponsor. For me, it was a sponsor. DuraEdge, they, they supported me and pushed, pushed me to continue, you know, doing it. And where I didn't have to you know, worry about making a check every single tournament I couldn't eat, you know what I mean? But it wasn't that way the whole time. It, it was that way when I was about to make the Elite Series, and I knew that it was growing to the point where he said, you know, when you make the Elite Series, we're going to take care of you, and he did, you know? So I had that going in. I had that. You have to prepare and have things kind of coming together and ready because a lot of times you make when you make the elite series, and this is the one thing I've seen with a lot of people is it's September, October. Most budgets for sponsors happen in that time frame. So I just made the elite series. Everyone's already been talking to these sponsors, building their relationships all season. You're basically coming into the game very late mm-hmm. in, into that those conversations. So how much you time, need to start preparing? How much time do you have in between in the in the last tournament you made the elites? Until you got to provide your entry fees. I think for me, the last tournament earlier, um, I think for me, the last tournament was in early September. I think our first payment was due in November. About a month. Yeah. Yeah, right. So that's what I mean. You have to be prepared. And like, I was fortunate being a co-angler, not only just for the fishing aspect, I paid attention to how a lot of professionals like a Stephen Browning and I asked them a bunch of questions like, how does this work? And a lot of the guys are very upfront because a lot of them are jaded about certain things too. Like, oh, I can't believe this is still the way it is. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you learn from that and like, okay, this guy who's the best in the world, he was about to quit fishing, but then some sponsor came through and that happened. Like you would never even know about him anymore, you know, right now, but those kind of stories and like, what they did right, what they did wrong. But a lot of, most of it is preparing. Like you have to be prepared now because back in the nineties or whatever, when you made the elite series, well, it wasn't even the elites. I think it was the one fifties at that the point. 150s, yep. They were going to throw money at you. You know, if you Mercury, I want an engine. Okay. Here's two, you know, uh, Phoenix, I want a boat. Here's three. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? That's not how almost any deal works now. Um, most people, I'd say, like Pete, you're saying 90% have a job. I'd say 90% of the guys, even on Elite Series, are paying for their boat. Like, no, we're not paying a lot, but we're still paying for the boat. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah, I've talked about this, I think, on another podcast, that the guys that are getting free all these free boats and free reels and free rods and free line, and you're talking about if we call the Elite, you know, anybody fishing the Elite Series, the 1%, it's like the 1% of that that has those deals. You look at a guy like Kevin Van Dam who's made how much money for his sponsors over all those years. They oh, might yeah. throw him a boat. Uh, but not everybody, and everybody, you see him start arguing online. Oh, they have this because they get it for free. I know for a fact that you buy your electronics. Like, yeah, you get some help with it, but. I mean, some of it, yeah. I would say rods, reels for most of the years, it's just been, once I made the elites, those doors open where you get all that. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot of your equipment. I'd say the one thing you do get all of your equipment, but if you're coming on the elites and you're like me, you're just like a, you come from a middle-class family, like $10,000 payments isn't like an easy thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? I, know. I mean, I told you about the Edge thing. So like I was very prepared for that. So I wasn't going to be extra worried about that and fishing. You can't be, you can't be worried about both. Right. You have to be in a, secure enough place where you can focus on your job. <laughs> yeah. There's not too many jobs where you're like, okay, um, if I don't make, if I don't fish well enough today, I'm probably going to go broke. Like I know people that have done that. They're like, I'm all, I've racked up credit card debt and it just completely ruin your financial future. And it's just mm. not worth it. Yeah. I know guys now that it's uh, like, if I don't get a check in the next tournament, I'm not going to have a truck to tow my boat to the one after that filing some bankruptcy it's uh and that that's the things people don't think about they, they also don't take into account and i'm sure Dustin, if you don't mind talking about it uh, you sure. trap just the travel expenses with lodging fuel meals right you know all of that how does that look when you get to that level yeah so i mean on the elite series uh, entry fees probably i mean when i started probably like forty five thousand, and i think now they're about 50 mm-hmm so that's just entry fee. So that's what you're paying. You pay it in installments or you can pay up front. Um, I'd say most people do it in installments. Yeah, I mean, that's more than the household medium income. I, I <laughs> right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's largely sponsor-driven. You have to have the sponsors or it's just not It's not lucrative. You have to be smart about it in a business sense. Like, yeah, I love to fish. This is what I want to do. Think about it make sure that you're doing it like financially wisely. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not worth destroying your family's future overdoing that. Right. And, so and that, provide- that would be the point where I would leave, you know, at the right. point where it's going to destroy my family. I'll be like, I'm done. That's, that's it. Because why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, do they provide money for lodging and fuel for your travel expenses? Or is that largely dependent on how your sponsors? Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the sponsor deals are, are that way. But like I was saying about the fishing industry, here's here's a little tidbit that I've learned from other guys and, and applied myself. Fishing industry is so saturated, there's not a lot of money. And this is one of the gripes. I don't necessarily completely agree with it, but, you know, the JT Kenny has said it, a lot of guys. Well, it's because of all these 20% discount guys and it's all this, which it is to some extent. However, like the money is just – only given to one so a, a decent sized sponsor is going to support like one guy a good amount you know mm-hmm. and then it, then everything else is just scraps you know what i mean so that you got to understand that you're not going to get a ton of money from fishing industry in general you can get you know a product a lot of times good discounts etc like on your boat or motors but if you want to be sustainable and have a career you have to have other sponsors from outside of fishing that want to be involved in fishing that there's a crossover with outdoor sport in that industry. You know, Mm -hmm. their, their customers, you know, are, are very much, you know, crossing over as far as the audiences. So you want to market to those kind of companies. I mean, a lot of guys have done well, just local companies, people that they know, uh, Joe Bob's auto shop will give them five grand to have a tax write off. Like, that too, you could piece together that way or whatever you want to do, but 
the fishing industry, it's hard to bleed. What is what is the saying about bleeding money out of a uh, rock or yeah, something? Is yeah. that is that what it is? Yeah, something but like that. I know what you're trying to say. Essentially, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't bleed money out of a rock or something. I mean, those those big sponsors within the industry, it it's hard for them to to find a significant return on investment when their name is so large and they've been in the game for so long. Yeah, right? good That's, point. You know, so you know the Strike Kings and insert name here, like they're not gonna. They don't need to. I mean, they don't have right. a need, right? So if you right. can't find a mutually beneficial like negotiation, figure out what a win-win is, then then they they're gonna walk away from the table, right? You know, Troy, that's Correct. interesting because great point. Zaldane, that was mm. when he switched over. You know, he left Mega Bass, and he had a big long Facebook post about it, and the reason was that. It was essentially Mega Bass wasn't giving back to the tournament anglers, right? You know, who are using their products right. and all that stuff, weren't providing sponsors. So, you know, those companies have to figure that balance out and not, right? That's they yeah. can do their own thing. But it's there's the point is there's not money like it's it's not infinite money that goes around from from you know sponsors within the right. fishing industry, and uh, that's why you have to, like, as you mentioned, go out and look for those non endemic, you know, sources of sponsorship and. And that's why you don't see see big fishing industry companies as a title sponsor on on more than one boat. Like Destin was saying, when it kind of bleeds down, uh, if you look at a guy, somebody that comes to mind is like Seth Fighter and his relationship with Daiwa. Like Daiwa's all over him. It's on the, it's on his boat. He's one of his title sponsors. You know, he's getting a big chunk of that, and then it kind of trickles down to the rest of the Daiwa pros. And you see that with the other big companies. Uh, even I know I know uh, you were kind of talking about his name went to Guggen Squad. They have several guys, but the level of representation that those those anglers have on their jerseys and boats versus the next guy down the line, you can kind of see that trickle down effect. So that that's really interesting that you you bring that up, Des. And obviously you mm-hmm. you know you built a great relationship with Dura Edge, um, you know early on. You know when you were when you were traveling, what? So I kind of want you to talk about it that like a typical travel for an elite tournament, which now is going to carry over to the qualifiers with the, the official practice days. Right. So what, mm-hmm. what did that look like as a, you know, a husband, a new father, you know, <laughs> traveling to fish tournament that, you know, from, from Pittsburgh or from Pennsylvania where you're at, you know, outside of Pittsburgh North, there, nowhere was really close unless you were in New York. No. So, you know, right. when you traveled, let's say St. John's River, that, that's a long way down the East Coast. What is a travel, you know, what does that look like for a tournament when you're traveling like that? Yeah, so St. John's, because I lived in Pittsburgh at the time, and now I'm in Erie, but um, about 15, 16 hours to St. John's. Mm-hmm. And I lived down there for a while, so, like, I didn't, I don't mind that. And I, I can stay, I stay with my buddy, you know, I worked at the lodge, so I can stay at the lodge, and it's comfortable. I like it down there, but... Um, even Champlain, like you Champlain is nine hours from me. You mm. know, that's what people think that I was close. To, I've never lived that close to Champlain that's in my true, life. Even, yeah. even those Northern tournaments are, cause I mean, you're for Greensboro. It's about the same, like nine mm-hmm. or 10 hours up to Champlain. So it, it's far. Yeah. You want to live in like Tennessee or the Carolinas <laughs> or Alabama. Like that's, that's the central location you want to be. I don't know why I'm in Pennsylvania, Ice but, fishing. um, yeah. I'm not an ice fisherman. Yeah. No, I can tell you, Destin is not an ice fisherman. <laughs> no, 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 no. I fell through the ice before. I used to do it, and that didn't deter me. But like, I just, it's just not fun to me. It's boring. It's kind of like the sitting out there and trolling thing. I, it's not for me. But yeah. yeah, I mean, when I my first year, the kids come in two months after we start the season. Um, I'm on the road three weeks a month until probably like july i would say and then it's slow and then we had that covid so it was then it just jammed into the fall mm-hmm. that we had all those september october november tournaments so I, I was gone most most of the year so i was not really home much and that's going to be what the eq is going to be like i didn't really think about it because it's nine tournaments it's the same as the elites mm-hmm. and i understand why they're doing that it's a good thing because it's going to prepare you more for that travel. Right. Like it's going to weed some people out as far as the travel, the the thing going to pre-fishing, because now you have that only five days of, you know, official practice thing, which in the elites, we only had three. 
which was a huge – that's a huge change from the Opens where you could practice for yeah. a week yeah. or whatever you want. You come on the Elites, you get three days to practice. That's – it's hard to change your strategy a lot. It takes you a little bit of time to, to warp your strategy from what you use to make it in the Opens to that, which this should help with that a little bit because the pre-fishing is so important in the Elites. You have to go to these fisheries. You know, they're 100,000 – more hundred plus miles of rivers where you've never even been. Mm -hmm. You need to go there and feel it out. Cause a lot of times there's only certain areas that are any good, you know, within yeah. those, those places. And, um, you, you can't get any information. You can't call your buddy that fishes all the Wednesday nighters there. You can't do any of that. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. It, well, it, changed, <laughs> it changed. It doesn't change. I don't think in your time on the elites really either, because I, I actually had this conversation with John, uh, with John Cruz, um, I don't know, a month or so ago, I ran, you know, he was at an event and we Probably were, show, we were right? well, yeah, yeah. We were chatting. Uh, it was actually, a, an event for cash and for their customer appreciation, but yeah. we, I was chatting with him and I was like, man, when you go, you know, do you feel like you have an advantage because you've been doing this for X amount of years and you've been to these lakes and no hesitation. He pretty much said no, because it <laughs> changes weather conditions, fronts. It does. Uh, time of year they're going even a month one way or the other going to a body of water changes so you have what you gain is you have a little bit of knowledge of the lake but not necessarily that those waypoints from two years ago are any good this year because it could be a completely different situation that you were fishing so those three days whether you've been on the tour you know it's your first event like Destin's talking or your 300th event it's not the same as the last time you were there yeah you have a little bit of historical data you can fall back on but Generally speaking, it it's different, and that's the one thing. What, how did you put it, Ben? Uh, fish the moment, not fish the moment, but uh, you had a good fishational, 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 yeah, and that and it, it comes down to that. So it, I can't imagine the change from from when you could go a month of, in advance and practice it, to so, five days or three days. I mean, but, I think it's great. When I got out of the army two years ago, my get out of the army gift was to go fish the Harris chain for two weeks. And uh, I was down there right before the bass opened. And, you know, as an average weekend angler, it, I figured out, and I figured out where some good fish were, but it took me about four or five days because I went to Florida. I'm going to go punch lily pads. I'm going to fish shallow. <laughs> I'm going to do all this. And uh, I spent, you know, like three days running around to all the different lakes, tr you know, trying that, you know, and then trying to look in canals for spawning fish. Ended up finding all the fish offshore in the old grass on Lake Griffin. And uh, actually, some locals helped, you know, you know, informing on some of that because, you know, never been on the lake before. I don't know anything except for watching the t television coverage. And it's a different, you know, if you only had three days to figure out, I mean, that's that's a completely different mindset than setting up an entire month before the event mm -hmm. as some of these guys it, did. So for me, it's crazy to to look at a guy like you, Destin, or, or the rest of the field, like a sport that you have to pay to play where the playbook is constantly changing it's not a hundred yard field Good it's not a, it. it's not a court you know there's only so many plays you can make in the nfl you know i could steal your playbook if i was that good and, and figure <laughs> out what's but you're in, you're out there alone and unafraid on a dynamic field that changes every second um and you got to pay for it yeah right you know uh I, I did. Sounds want, crazy, doesn't it? It sounds absolutely <laughs> crazy. It that way, it's like, well, I don't want to. Do yeah, that. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> so, so, so I mean, you you got to be realistic, right? And and so, yes. you talked about the sponsorships and and having a plan. We talked about a little bit of the travel. I don't think a lot of people talk about having. So you were married before you started in the opens, mm -hmm. right? Um, not the whole time. Not the whole time. The, uh, I got married right before I I made the elite. So like a couple months before I started my season that I made the elites on. Okay. You know I mean? So this, this is a personal question. You don't have to answer it, but sure. You got the sponsorship relationships and expectation management, mm -hmm. but what does that closed door conversation with your spouse or significant other look like, you know, that level of expectation management this is what could happen. This is what could happen. So on and so forth. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and oh, what yeah. that was like? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, I would say 
that's probably one of the least talked about things that, that we hear about in fishing is is like your family, your your wife and how that all works. And I mean, fortunate for me, you know, I've been doing this. My wife and I were dating in college and, and I she knew that I want to do this even before I started fishing any tournaments or anything. And I, she knew I was serious about it. And just by, you know, the actions that I took to do it. And um, she got a taste of like the travel and how, how much you got to travel and what all in, in, entails. And so we, you know, when we made the elites, we talked about it. He said, is this something you're going to want to do? You know, and she said, yeah. And, and, and she, I was like, you know, I'm going to be gone this much. We've got a kid coming, you know, like these are, these are the hard conversations we had to have. And even though you had a conversation, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all going to work out the way that you both talk about, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A lot of things happen. Um, at the end of my, my rookie year, my wife had uh, emergency surgery. I had to fly. I was going to fork. I had to, drop my boat off real quick at, at my friend's house and fly home. And um, then we had those last few tournaments and I'd go back and, and we had to figure out life after, you know, all that and how to orchestrate that with the kid and all that. I mean, a lot of things happen that you just don't predict, you know, you can't predict. And uh, that makes things a lot more difficult. And no matter how much you're on the same page about understanding and expectations, as you've said, you're never going to have every thing planned for. And, and that's one of the hardest things is managing to balance your family time. Um, you know, your expectations as, as a husband, as a, a you know, wife, et cetera. And it, I don't have a, I don't have a clear cut like answer because I don't, I don't believe I'm the best person at doing that. I think it's something that I've struggled with just dealing with a lot of the, problems that we you know we run across as a family and just navigating balancing the two of them you know yeah and and that is uh i don't think anybody has the answer i don't think there is such a thing i think that's you you write that chapter every step of the way you close it out and you write a new one every tournament every situation right. so um it's interesting and i think we need to take a quick break real quick and yeah and let's reset. stop there because i got a couple more follow-up questions. yeah and we got let's some uh, are you good with that dustin yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. We'll take a quick break. Yeah, so, you know, you talked about the adversity that you faced your first year. You had a child. Your wife had emergency surgery. You had to fly home, you know, in, in your first two years on the elites. What, how did you keep your head in the game? Or was that, were you, were, was that not something that you could really prepare for? How did you stay positive mentally? I definitely stayed positive, but it's not something you can prepare for. And like I said, I'm not the best person to say that I'm the best husband or I'm the best at anything because the thing that I did, and it probably wasn't the right thing is I said, I got to compartmentalize this because I turned around, flew right back and had to fish four tournaments in a row. I was like, I have to compartmentalize this as much as I can just to get through this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't allow myself to like, deal with it at that point other than do my duty go back make sure she's okay take care of her make sure everyone else is taking care of her and, I, and then i am in a good place where i can leave you mm -hmm. know what i mean that's yeah, what I, I had to do i know i reached out to you last year to talk a little bit about you know mentality and the mental side of fishing uh you know i haven't fished any big stuff in years but you know i wanted to get back into tournament fishing a little bit and i almost forgot about how how much mental fortitude goes into fishing, I guess is a way to put it because I, I had a tournament where I was on a bite and, and some good fish. And I, th I lost like seven before seven thirty. like good fish just come unpegged. We it talked happens. about that one. I remember that. And I, I hit Destin up because I deleted the GoPro footage because it was bad because <laughs> I came on too hard to look at. I'm throwing <laughs> packs of hooks into the lake. Like, I, I, it was, it was bad. And this is like, it's not anything serious, but I, I came unglued. So afterwards, like Destin said, we talked about, I reached out to him like, man, like, what do you do? So if you had any advice for folks coming up in the higher stakes, the more that mental push comes and And I know, you know, Swindle always talks about positive mental attitude and that's great to say, but do you have any advice for anybody that might be listening on how you can actually help maintain that? not necessarily 
the behind the scenes home life stuff, but during a day on the water, because you, I don't think we hear that a lot on how you reset after you lose a big fish or, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it is like losing a big fish or just not letting your thoughts get negative. Like, what am I going to do when I get home? Like, how am I going to deal with this issue that we have? You know, okay, we have to fix a septic tank or we got to do this. Like there's, ten twenty thousand dollars we gotta come up with and i gotta deal with when i get home oh you know your wife's calling you we gotta fix this <laughs> like it's hard to to deal with that stuff when you're trying to literally laser focus on something and i mean like i said i don't think i'm the best at doing it but some of the things that i've done i mean with that situation i had to compartmentalize as much as i could and and basically soldier on which is not really the best thing in an emotional sense but Sometimes you have to, for a short term, you have to do that. That's the only way you're going to get through it, but mm -hmm. you have to deal with the problems and in fishing when I just try to not let them in the fishing sense, if you lose a fish, you just try not to let them become anything mm -hmm. losing a fish. A lot of my friends, like, and I used to do it too, when I was starting out and I was like, this just doesn't help. Oh man, I lost this fish. I would have won this tournament, blah, 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 blah. You just can't go there you know right. that every other guy in that field has a similar story that they lost some fish that could have should have would have done something and you just cannot take yourself to that negative mental place that's going to further inhibit you from doing what you need to do and and just put you in a negative mindset mm -hmm. you know you don't want to be a victim and i think i'm not going to preach but in the country i think we have a problem with just like stop being a victim like the, the only way that you can, you know, soldier on and continue to, to do good things and, be, and positively move forward is to is to not allow yourself to be the victim of a circumstance mm. because everyone is a is a victim in, in some sense of, of their life. And in a lot of sense, some people have more stuff, some people have less. But the truth of the matter is we all have things that are not fair, but it's how we we recognize them in our mind and how we get through that as far as like framing it. So we're just framing it as, is this is just, it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't change it. I can't control it. So I'm just going to let that go and keep moving forward. That's, that's all you can do. And you might come in and zero in the tournament and you had five fish on for 25 pounds. Believe me, I've had those situations where I'm like, how do I have a zero? Yep. I had five giant fish on today. And that's just how it goes. Like everyone has those times where it just doesn't seem to fall together, but it can snowball worse if you just go into that victim mentality. Really, I I feel like that's one of the biggest things I, that you can avoid. You uh, you don't allow those instances to consume you, right? Um, some you try the, you try not you to. try not to, right? But you know, some of the best advice and some of the best training that I ever have is is trying to get over. What can I, what can I control? What do I have to influence to make a better decision? And then what do I have to accept? Right. We throw it out there. CIA, what can I control? What can I influence? And what do I have to accept? And that's a constant circle of emotion. Yep. It doesn't matter what you're doing, right? Like somebody backed into my trailer and it's still on my mind. I can't control the fact that they, they backed into it. What can I influence is either maintaining a positive attitude saying I'm going to fix it or circle the drain and be negative or I don't have to right. fix it. I can just accept that it's dented in. That goes with everything that we do in life. And you have definitely dealt with your um, your deal uh, of different situations and not allowing it to consume you is probably why you're at where you're at today, like being successful and not allowing that to to run roadblock against your, your dreams and aspirations. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, that. Yeah, and talking to Destin helped me a lot to – I had almost the exact same situation happen again. And it's all, I mean, it was all my fault. Even the first time it was, you know, I'm trying to blame the hooks and everything. But the second time I had that issue start, I just, I thought about our conversation. I, I sat down on the front deck of my boat, grabbed a bottle of water, sat there and drank it and just pushed that all out of my head. And I was back to, and I think I ended up like, I know I cashed a check in that one second or third, Heck yeah. yeah. but like, that was what worked for me, but I was able to circle back to that conversation we had. And it's like, man, you just have to let it go. And I think that a lot of people need to hear that. And I think that's one of the things we talk about all the time. What separates 
at the top in the and you know at the top levels of fishing guys like destin guys the elite guys people that have been there will be there again i have no doubt it's the it's they have i don't want to say they've mastered it but they have a much better hold on the mental side of fishing so after all those things happen to you as every angler every person's different what is your outlet to maybe revisiting that or or letting that go because you said you compartmentalize it right you compartmentalize it but where do you in your life how do you make yourself vulnerable to like getting rid of all that so that you can continue to compartmentalize more stuff that will happen in the future oh 100 and when it's when it's raining it's it's hard to do that and you know what i mean because you are having to compartmentalize so many things that it becomes overwhelming if you do that um with fishing a lot of times it's just essentially my my buddy would call it a debrief mm-hmm. so after the tournament you and your buddy you know after the tournament you're staying with and you just talk about everything that happened and blah 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 but then you turn it into positive you know we got this tournament coming up we're gonna have a great time i'm looking forward to that blah blah, blah. you just you gotta get it out <laughs> you definitely have to get it out but not in a complaining way you know what sure. i mean not mm-hmm. not complaining like Hey, everybody, I should have won this tournament. Like, I mean, a younger me has made many other blunders, but the, you know, this, this older me, I hope is, has learned that that, that doesn't help, you know, that, mm-hmm. that does definitely doesn't help. So that, the debrief is a big one. You know, that's something that you can get it out. Like you said, and you can, you can deal with it and it, getting, talking about something, getting it out there helps it be less powerful you know what i mean yeah so you, you brought up a great point and for all of those that the the viewers the listeners and, and people watching on different social media platforms a sport where you're in it by yourself still needs cer- certain people still need other pre- people in the sport to help them cope with what's going on right and that's why you see a lot of people right. travel together room together and stuff like that there are people that can do it by themselves they don't need anybody right and that maybe that's the way they process information uh Mm -hmm. i know myself i would definitely need a group of compadres to to sit down just like we're doing right now and talk about those things because the hardest thing to do is make yourself vulnerable to to let it all out Mm -hmm. right and then Mm -hmm. and then because you learn more from poor poor decisions i think than you do from anything right so no, I appreciate you talking. You about always that. learn the most from that. I mean, any situation where I'm like, so we were at Chesapeake Bay, and you know how tough that fishing was. Mm-hmm. But we had a day where it just like torrentially downpoured, and, and we were just waiting it out till it slowed down. Me and a few guys that we were staying with. So we were watching some old tournaments. So my buddy Cole, he had a really good tournament at Lake Norman and Open. So we were watching that, and he's like, "Why don't we watch Champlain? You know, the one that you did really good at the last year." And I was like. Okay. I'd never even watched it yet. You know, I, I hadn't even seen the tournament and I went back and watched it. I was like, wow, that was like cool. Like that was good. That was good too. Just seeing like what you do did do right. And then I think about but most of the time during that watch that term, I was like, Man, I should have made this move, you know, like yeah, I yeah. That. had but, those cringe <laughs> moments, like oh yeah, look but at not that. like in a powerful <laughs> way, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't do it. No, it was like in this situation, I probably might have done this you know i should have done that like that kind of thing but like not where it yeah. bothers you yeah game footage yeah and if you, you think know? about yeah. it we've all all the lessons we've learned in life have been from most of them have been from failure yeah we tried yeah. something that didn't work so we did it a different right. way until it did and uh, i think that's a really good point to be able to i probably need to do better on that it's, you shouldn't uh, turn your learn. gopro off next time no yeah if, <laughs> if it's everyone go watch it, go watch every hook set be, and break be, yeah. off <laughs> yeah between the yeah. uh, my mom and the good Lord, they don't need to see that. So <laughs> well, the good Lord already, well, he saw. already saw it, but he doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah. He it. knows what you said. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's awesome. So was your, what's your question related to? Because I want to ask a couple fun ones. Oh, these were fun ones at the end. All right. Well, who, we're kind of wrapping down yeah, here. I got all this you, really... you just put it all on me. I just asked oh, all serious. So I just wanted you to, to yeah. trauma dump. That's all <laughs> I can go. I got, I got two. Two quick ones for you. Uh, the first is, what lake are you most looking forward to this upcoming season? And I'll get the second um, one after you. I'm going to say Toledo Bend. Okay. Just because I've never been. And um, I hear it's starting to come back a little bit. Mm. That's in I April, know, right? Yeah, that should be a good time yeah. there. Mm-hmm. The timing should be great. 
but it, it was kind of on a down cycle and I think it's starting to come back in the last year or two. So I, I want to go, I like going places that have big fish, like a Lake Fork. I always, yeah. that was always the one I was circling on the list. Mm. Santee, you know, those kind mm. of places. I'm sure so you always circled the Sabine river too, right? Dude, <laughs> I, I didn't mind it. It was tough. Like you knew what you were getting into, but no, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not, not I went fun on a, play. I went on a rant a couple episodes ago about why do they keep going? Oh, I, to I listened city. to it. Yeah. I listened to I'm like, everybody on, has a shot. Again, there, though. Everybody has a shot. When, at the when our episode river. drops Thursday and we go through the elite series, it comes up again. We get oh, to relive. Yeah. Ben's yeah. You can, you can gripe about Sabine. <laughs> Every time. And I know I'm not the only one who've said that because, Every time, but I think, uh, I think as a fan, that yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. But go ahead. Uh, the yes, second, it's not fun to watch. Yeah, <laughs> the second one is. So you're a professional angler. When is the last time you've been on the water? Um, right before New Year's. Okay, before not as long as I thought, but still, that's that's a few. That's a couple of weeks. That's a few weeks. So yeah, I, I put my boat away right before we got that second big blast, where it was like negative degrees, and you know. Um, and my buddy invited me up to Buffalo, and I went out with him, and we caught we caught like thirty, I think, thirty bass. Man, you can get some giants up out of Buffalo this time of year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Last year we we went out New Year's Eve and caught hundred and eighty. Hundred and eighty. I remember that wow. video. Hundred and eighty. What? Stuff. Smallies. What? Yeah. And, and our best our best five was twenty nine five that day. That Eastern Basin Buffalo up in that area in the winters. Yeah. It just holds those big smallmouth, and they've been feeding, getting thirty ready. pounds of smallmouth. Oh yeah, oh yeah, thirty pounds. I of caught smallmouth. the same weight in a tournament there um, a few years ago in a Douglas Rods big money. We caught twenty nine five. Wow, Damn. what uh, what lake are you least looking forward to on your schedule this year? <laughs> the Harris Ooh. Chain. He said lake too, so uh, no, no, it could be Harris river. Chain isn't bad. Harris <laughs> Chain isn't bad, and I've I've got to spend some time there because I live like near Platkiff for a while when I was in St. John's, but um, probably Watts Bar. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's a fair I'm one. Thinking, well, I've heard a lot of people. Not, just the timing. Yeah. You know, the timing. If you look back at tournaments at Watts Bar the time of year, like they used to have two-day super tournaments like BFLs. The guy that won was the only one that caught a limit both days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone else didn't even have a limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, I know you've had a few few travel companions or partners, whatever you want to call them over oh, yeah. the years. Who's, who's been your favorite one and who do you think you've learned the most from? Uh, I'd say my, my favorite one is, is, is probably, I don't want to like shortchange any of my other buddies. No, you're not but, shortchanging but, anybody. But Craig, Craig Chambers, mm-hmm. I've been traveling with him for a few years and he lives down in Charlotte, but his family's from Grove city. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I drew him as a co-angler. And uh, he's like, where are you from? I was like, yeah, just some little town in Pennsylvania. And he's like, don't try me. I got family there. I was like, you wouldn't even know it. He's like, Grove City. He's like, yeah, that's where they live. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. So we hit it off. We had a fun day. And uh, we stayed in touch. And then we started traveling in the Opens. And the year that I made the Elites, he he was in there. And and, uh, the last day, he lost some fish. And he ended up like ninth or something, Mm. just like one spot out or whatever that's tough and he's he's wild he's the opposite of me but it's it's a, it's a good balance it's a really good balance he's yeah. like dude you they like balance each other out you know i i got a question now that you you know you're fishing all nine to to get back into the elites um in your experience between the opens and, and, and the elites which one's more fun mm. Mm. oh that's a good question uh, I would say I would say the opens, but with that caveat, like you can spend you spend more time there, so you're hanging out with your friends. It's a little more relaxed because you have that more time, mm-hmm. you know, before the tournament mm-hmm. usually. So that's what. It, but with the elites, like the second year, I didn't even travel with anybody, so it wasn't the same fun. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's way more fun to travel with somebody. I think the elites would be way more fun to travel with, like you know, Craig, like when we, if we both make it together, like that's ultimately what we want to do. Cause you know, we get each other, we know how each other works and yeah. we trust each other. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, but yeah, I'll say the opens just with that caveat. That makes sense. Yeah. You get to spend, spend time with a friend and 
Yeah, he's a little bit it, more camaraderie and. Is your yeah, you, you can hang out a lot of guys. Yeah, you know, like you travel with like five, six guys and all crash at a house through an open, make yeah. it cheaper, and you get to hang out every night and have dinner. You know that kind of stuff. I I know my wife does it to me when I'm out. Even when I'm gone for work, she she does it. She's like, "Oh, you're just out having fun." Does your <laughs> right? wife, does your does your wife do that? Is she like, "Oh, you're just partying with the boys"? Yes. <laughs> even even though I don't think I've had a drink for like ten years, I don't well, even drink. I, I'm not even like fun in that sense. You pa- know what I mean? Like partying party. relative. You know, however that looks. Uh, what does a Destin Demarian? This is my last question. I'll turn it back over to Pete. But what does a Destin Demarian do outside of the fishing world besides spending time with, you know, being being a father and a husband? What recreational things do you like to get yourself into? Funny enough, it's probably fishing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, to me, it's like a completely different type. Like you've got your fish tournament fishing, which yeah. is like totally laser focused, very intense. Whereas like just going out and having fun fishing mm-hmm. is, is kind of how I like recharge. Like, honestly, I just like to go out and launch right here at my house and just go graph around and I could not even make a cast and be completely content, Yeah, but I definitely want to catch one, but sure, <laughs> I, yeah, I would be I content if I did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Ben? I, I asked my two. That was just, that was all you had. That's all you had. That's, I, that's, that's what I was. <laughs> What's your PV? What's, what's my, your biggest bass? That's uh, nine nine five, I think. Where yes. you catch uh, it? Lar- large mouth. It Where'd was you? in uh, St. John's. St. John's. What about Smalley? Uh, seven two. Wow. Erie. Yeah. Yeah. That's in awesome. that tournament, we caught. I caught one that was almost seven, like just a hair under two. And that that Doug, we had almost thirty in. <laughs> caught one on, almost. Seven. That was like the last cast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Did you already have five? Was that a cold fish, or did you need one more? And they yeah, we caught like forty or fifty that yeah. day. That's that's one thing. A lot of like when I talk to guys that are from you know North Carolina, they don't understand how those smallmouth can be. You tell them you go out oh, and catch yeah. one hundred and eighty, and they're like, "There's no way." And I'm like, "No, dude. Like, yeah, you get if them. you get them right, like, <clears throat> I think our best day on Erie with my dad and I, and we we were tired, so we quit fishing, or we'd have caught more. Was right at a hundred. That's and unbelievable. Was, oh, yeah. the, the average was three pounds, and it was pre-spawn. I remember, I remember you and your dad telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, and they had just we stacked up on the on a, on a deep edge leading up to a spawning flat, and it was every cast. That's a bucket yep. list situation for me. In two years, you you can rest assured I'll be up there to to pick your <laughs> brain on awesome. that. So, well, Destin, uh, he, he can uh, take you out with his guide service. So, if you oh, have yeah. any questions, oh, yeah. Destin, why don't you plug? Uh, Plug Why don't you plug yourself and if there's any shout outs you want to give to your sponsors who may hear this or, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously DuraEdge, I'm very thankful. If you guys don't know what DuraEdge is, it's probably the biggest player in the baseball world as far as uh, the dirt. So we do pretty much every professional team's, you know, infield, the dirt they play on, that's DuraEdge. The clay that's in the mound, the warning track, uh, brick and lava rock and all that stuff were pretty much the biggest players in that game. So that's, I want to give them a shout out, but that's part of my job is I honestly, I take, um, I take out our customers fishing. Like when I'm traveling, I take a lot of our customers out fishing from, you know, MLB, MILB teams, you know, big division one colleges and stuff. I've got to do that from, from everywhere from Maine to South Florida to San Diego. So that's amazing. Pretty sweet. That is a way to make it in the fish industry without, you know, having to, compete so for everyone listening out there i mean fi- find a company to work for just take their clients out there you go. have you yeah. changed yeah. have you changed any of their minds and they want to switch over to professional angling <laughs> no but surprisingly <laughs> there are a lot of guys that are very uh you know big fans that, yeah. that keep up with the bass method that you know come to the classic and i get to hang out with them for a while uh one of one of my buddies clay he's he works with the oakland athletics he flew the whole way to greenville it had nothing to do with me and he just was coming to volunteer. He wanted to work at the classic and, and go to the classic and be there, you know, but we spent a few days and went out and smashed some spotted bass on Kiwi and yeah. had a blast. You know, the, the, there's guys, especially in Southeast, like you guys, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a very popular sport, you know, in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I took you out. Uh, you were down taking some clients out in the area and we went yeah. out and ran around Jordan a little bit and, 
you you elected to go. Said, you elected to go to another here. body of water, which uh, <laughs> I don't blame you uh, for for wanting to take clients uh, to another yeah, body I'm of like, water. These guys haven't made a cast in about ten years. Yeah, I'm not taking them to Jordan Lake. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was uh, when was that? Late March, early April. They yeah. Were, so you yeah, had yeah. to be able to pitch bushes like. Yeah, I was like, when there's no him, way they're going to do this. And he had another buddy he was talking to that was like, yeah, you just got to get the black and blue jig in the middle of the bush and they'll eat it. And he's like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to throw well, a wacky first, rig. I don't think they can use a bait caster, so <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's going to work. We need a wacky worm. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where uh, where can our, our folks find you on social? Um, so, like, all of my tags are destined to fish, um, except on Facebook. I think it's just destined to marine fishing, but destined to fish on twitter and instagram and uh i think youtube is the same too what about for uh so destin Web- runs a guide service he does oh, guide, right. uh prescott bay lake erie they're at erie pa yep. so if anybody's up that way where where can they find you and i know you book up quick so yeah yeah especially yeah. now with the eq you know i won't have much time but um it's destinmarion.com and then i have the guide services on the on another tab on there but you can see i've got a bunch of photos and all my i got some blogs up there about seasonal so you can kind of pick what what fishing you want to do yeah walleye yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. not not to get, i do get walleye calls i'm like i'm not your guy let me give you another number here there's plenty of yeah. walleye guides out that'll uh, go drag a worm harness around for you or lead weights right. yeah uh. right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm sure you guys have dove into that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with our very first episode, we talked. We didn't give it a whole lot of time. It was nah. like two minutes. I don't think they deserve it. 2022 anymore. recap, and then we moved on. I agree on. with that. It was like um, COVID, and then we were over. So, yeah, Dustin, <laughs> man, we really appreciate you coming Absolutely. on. I think there was a lot of really good yeah, insight. Thank you guys so much. Uh, everybody, Dustin Demarion, obviously one of the top anglers in the country. You don't make it where he's made it by not being. It's not an accident he got where he was. It's not an accident that he has two top tens in two years on the elites. That there's guys that have fished two years and never, never accomplished that. So, uh, yeah, man, appreciate it. And maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get you back on as the EQs go on, and just to kind of get a get some insight on how that's going. And for folks that might be thinking about fishing it uh, next year, yeah, uh, always happy to. I enjoyed awesome. it, guys. Yeah, thank yeah. you very right. much. Appreciate it so much. Great day. Appreciate you, man. Me too. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, oh god, it's a toad. It's, son. Huh? it's a f- toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day.